Hi there, it's Christian Solarzano, host of Underscore, and today's episode is a very special one because if you have listened to the first episode of our podcast, I was interviewed by Patrick Smith, and Patrick is someone that I met in late 2020 on behalf of the club, and since then he's been involved in various aspects of our community, of our club. He helps drive our programming and our mission. So today, I get the opportunity to interview him. And in today's episode, we're going to be diving deep into his early influences, the things that got him into graphic design. We also discuss a little bit about what goes on behind the scenes with the Chicago Graphic Design Club. And he also shares some stories from his experience as a designer within the last two decades. So truly an episode that I am very proud of and I look forward to having you listen to it. So as always, if you want to learn more about what we do, what the club does, find us on Instagram, Chicago Graphic Design Club, or you could also visit our website at www.chicagographicdesign.club. So Patrick, it's nice to be speaking with you. You were the first person on this podcast, but you were the interviewer back when we launched last year in 2022. So it's nice to have the tables turned and now I get to interview you and you get you get a more seasoned Christian here. So um... <laughs> All right. Well, thank you very much for having me. It's great to uh, be here and it's uh, yeah, it's come full circle. Yeah. So I want to start, so you and I are friends, but for the people that are listening that aren't familiar with with you and what you do and who you are, could you um, tell us a little bit about what you do, your background, and what led you into the world of design? Sure. Yeah, I'll start with what I do now, and then I can give you a quick timeline. So uh, I'm a creative director. My background's in graphic design and art direction, and I run a very small studio called C2 Creative Studio. Uh, it's located in Chicago. And I've been running it for about 12 years now. And previous to this, uh, how I got into design from way back in the beginning, uh, I went to school at Illinois State. Um, I didn't know what I wanted to do. And I'll never forget this. I can remember like it was five minutes ago, I was walking in a building called CVA. Uh, and I was in the basement and I was taking, I took like three art history classes, you know, over the course of a year so i was just walking wandering around the building and then all of a sudden i saw this like gallery of posters and i didn't know what that class was because there was always things like you know sculpture and jewelry and things like that and i was just transfixed and it was like a bolt of lightning and i said this is what i have to do and i didn't even really know what graphic design was necessarily but it just everything looked cool it almost looked like it was album covers designs and things like that it's something i could really like connect with um, I wasn't much into sculpting wood or, you know, things like that or painting at the, at the time. But um, that's how I, I got into graphic design. And then um, I found my way into more of the, the marketing, advertising side of the business uh, when I got out of school and um, came up through kind of a traditional bigger agency um, background and teams. 
So I'll be working on you know campaigns for things like credit cards and Sears and direct mail and and the web was becoming a thing at the time and and kind of moved over to the, into the digital side and uh, and then found my way into the healthcare world and uh, kind of discovered uh, the power of branding and 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 that and that uh, in that phase of of my career and then uh, uh, also bounced around a little bit after uh, two thousand nine. Uh, you know, after the economic collapse and things like that, a lot of agencies were going through a transition and so were a lot of designers and creatives. So uh, I had a chance to kind of work with a lot in, within a lot of different agencies around town. It was really great. And then for a few years, um, I was actually in Columbus, Ohio for uh, working for a large healthcare agency. And uh, so, I, so I've been outside of Chicago too for a little bit here and there. Yeah. And even going back before you, your interest in graphic design, what were your interests growing up? What, what did you watch? What did you listen to? I know you were music was a big part of um, your your childhood. So, what were some of those inspirations that perhaps you continue to to draw from today? Yeah, I was thinking about this not too long ago. And um, as a kid, I mean, the biggest influence at the time, at least in in my suburb of Chicago, was was MTV. So we're talking eight, nine, ten years old, and all we did was draw album covers or the logos of bands and at the time we didn't know what we were doing we were just drawing those kinds of things and then skateboarding came out and and BMX racing was like a it already existed obviously but it was something where we were we had the money to go buy the magazines or we could steal the magazines from our brothers or whatever it was you know our friends and so you just kind of get immersed in these like little worlds of of magazines and 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 music and things like that and, and the posters that come with bands and the album covers and whatnot and so you fast forward into, into high school and all of a sudden you, you get a camera and then that kind of becomes another level of, you know, art, working on a craft, working on, you know, artistic expression, things along those lines. And then, of course, with all this stuff, there's always like some drawing or something else happening or somebody's got um, a video camera and you try to make movies. And I remember as a, as a really young kid making our own radio shows. I, I wish I had these tapes, you know, just kind of recording your own thing and doing a talk show, stuff like that. So the cr creativity was always a, a piece of what I did. Uh, but I didn't know that there was like, you know, where I grew up, or at least in my family, a lot of people are very blue collar, policemen, teachers, nurses, you know, engineers, things along those lines. And the creative world was just something that didn't even occur to me. So until I got to college, that's when I, I started to, it's all started to connect some dots there. But, but it was mostly a lot of MTV, uh, skate culture. I didn't skate, but I love the culture part of it. And then as far as music goes, I just dove into, uh, you know, rock music and heavy metal because it was dangerous and it was loud and the energy that came with it. And as a very young kid, I played violin for a few years and then that started to translate into guitar as I got in high school. And then I was able to get a guitar and, you know, that was it. <laughs> yeah. And I think there, there's something to be said about how special it was things then because of the limitations of technology like i remember back then i had a, a tape recorder and for me the idea of being able to record voice onto this cassette tape was mind-blowing and it felt like it was something just so special and magnificent same with crayons like i remember getting like a box of crayons and uh and just thinking like i could do anything in the world because i have all these colors yeah. and there's like that huge box of crayons. I think it came with like 64 
and it had the sharpener in the back. I remember that too. Yeah. Yeah. And it just seemed, and I, and I wonder today we have, we have all this stuff like in our smartphones and yeah. So it's always interesting to just think about and like reminisce on those times. Well, and when you're a kid, everything's new. So, you know, when you got a new toy or a new tool, uh, you know, you, 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 yes, you had paper in front of you, but maybe you went out on the street and drew stuff or, I, I probably the first thing that I've ever drew, drew was on the bottom of my parents' coffee table as a like one or two year old. I'll never forget like just laying on the carpeting and looking up at the the wood underneath the you know under the table and just drawing like Big Bird on it or something like that. So we got rid of that table, but I mean that was one of the first things I remember drawing because it was there. We kept the table for a long time. Um, and do you remember the first um? piece of graphic design that you consciously created what was the first thing that you that you made oh wow um so this was it must have been in high school because we had a really horrible band and um there was a local record store which is long gone but at the time if you were a local band they would they would actually put your tapes on the shelf and sell them for you and so we knew people that had done that and we thought well we could do that too so what did we do we made the worst four you know, four, four song tape you've ever heard in your life. And, um, I made a, a, a like a tape jacket. So, and it was, it's still floating around somewhere. I was somebody, one of my brother's friends posted it on Facebook not too long ago. And I, I it was like a flashback. And so, yeah, but what I ever take, I took a newspaper and I think I had some Xerox pictures of some, not a nursery rhyme book, but some kind of kid's book. And then I cut it all together and then like you know, uh, just taped it up and then Xerox that, that became the, the template. And then later on, um, one of my friend's bands, uh, started to, they were actually decent, uh, started to make some music. And then when I was in college, I was able to help them, you know, put together a CD and, you know, that stuff like that. So those are some of the earliest things that I'd worked on. And do you, and I know the, a lot of the professional work that you do today, a lot of it is corporate and, how do you see yourself so sort of bringing some of that attitude, if you do, to some of the work that you do that perhaps some of the work that maybe is a little bit more on the safe side? Um, sure. Yeah, I, that's a great question. So um, not every brand is ready for, you know, to have an edge. A lot of brand, corporate brands soften down what um, they're trying to say or, or their image or whatnot. But every once in a while, there is an opportunity to, to bring some attitude to something. So it, it, it really comes down to authenticity. And so whether it's a, a punk rock poster, you know, for the Metro or a corporate advertisement for a healthcare company, you know, if the message really resonates or taps a nerve, it doesn't have to look super, you know, um, avant-garde. Uh, it could just, that the message might be very powerful in the way it's, the way it's designed can, can help support that idea. So, or maybe there is a there really, you know, heartfelt image that it taps into something that, you know, goes beyond just another, just another ad. So, or another brand concept or another webpage. So um, it's really, I think just tapping into some authenticity, you know, even for a huge brand. So and that happens every once in a while, every once in a while, you will see a great commercial or a great print ad and, and uh, it does hit a nerve. It's just, it's just so much of the stuff out there. It just doesn't doesn't rise to that level. Yeah. Are there any brands today that come to mind that you think are do doing really exciting things? Uh, I don't know if it's super exciting, but Liquid Death is, um, they're not doing anything outside of like the traditional channels, 
but they reinvented a category or rethought a category um, with the water. And I know they're doing the line extensions and the similar things, but what a cool name, what a cool design. Um, they're, if they are doing anything, I think they're doing a lot of grassroots marketing. I see them, uh, their product on tons of podcasts. Uh, they're very small that have relatively small audiences too. So they're really trying to build from the ground up. And I know I, I just, just read some headlines over the last couple of years where they just, they, they seem to just have exploded dollar wise. So they've really made an impact with their can of water. I mean, <laughs> you know what I mean? so that's, 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 that's been a fun brand to kind of watch. Yeah. I went to a show uh, a few weeks ago and it was surprising how many people were drinking liquid death and it's like, yeah. you got your Aquafinas or do you got, you got your liquid death? Yeah. Um, <laughs> which one are you going to pick? Right. And I, I, I think the liquid death, all, you know, yes, there, the, the can is cool and the brand is cool, but I, I, if I buy one more piece of plastic, I just hate myself. So I try to go with the recyclable aluminum anyway. So, so, so that, that's the other reason why I buy it. But so as I was prepping for this interview, I discovered your blog from 10 years ago <laughs> and we don't have to get into any specific blog posts. But you had this blog for quite a number of years. It, I believe it ended in 2012 and it started in 2008. Is that correct? So it was like about four years. I cannot confirm or deny. I, I mean, I remember doing it, but in, in those dates, it sounds like there was a huge explosion of social media and all, you know, all yeah. the blogging and stuff. So I got into it and kind of used it as a, I don't know. I don't even remember half the post, so, well, <laughs> so I'm looking forward to hear what you have to say. Well, at one at one point, you were doing three posts per week. I, I oh, believe wow. it was it was a Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. I think. Okay. And and some of the posts that you created were very long, and some of them were a little bit shorter. And I'm bringing this up because today I think I've been seeing sort of a comeback in. Not necessarily blogs, but newsletters and more long form content. Uh, I think it's one of the ways that, as at least how I see it, one of the few ways that actually makes it easier to connect with audiences, I think. Because I think social media, for instance, sometimes the posts are so quick and so fast. But I think with with writing, with writing for the internet, I think there's a little bit more of like intentionality behind it. So could you talk a little bit about what other ways you find yourself activating your design process? I know you're into photography. Um, I know you're into comedy, music, but do you see yourself sort of straying beyond the just the graphic design craft? Like what other practices do you currently have? Um, and just really quick, going back to the, the, the blog part I, it's all coming back to me now i think i was do, trying to do a lot of uh, uh reviewing creative um campaigns that were out there i mm -hmm. remember when burger king did something i wrote some kind of blog and or some post and somebody actually wrote me back on that i don't know if that was uh an inside job like somebody who knew me wrote wrote me and said it was from burger king but um and i also did some kind of ex not experimental but just kind of a, a spoof ads one time for some other companies. So I, I remember it's coming back to me now. So it was, it was some graphic design exercises and whatnot. But to answer your question, uh, what do I do to kind of activate projects? Um, uh, yes, I, I play around with photography. I've, I've 
bought a house recently. So now I have room to try to paint and I'm not very good at it, but I enjoy uh, doing something with my hands and, and getting messy and, and just kind of making textures. And um, I wouldn't even call it like, uh, I was going to say like a landscape, that's a wrong term, but more just kind of a, just textures and things along those lines. Um, other things, you know, I, I try to find projects for myself and you know, I'm pretty busy uh, on any given week or, or, or month, but I try to have something happening in the background and, and um, uh, just something else creative outside of the nine to five, whether it's a Chicago graphic design project, uh, like the poster submissions or creating a problem for myself. So sometimes I'll see something and I'll just write a problem statement and then start to design around it. Or there might just be something that I get inspired by that other designers are doing and um, make a project for myself. An example of that is um, maybe two or three years ago, right before the pandemic hit, I remember um, I never really had like a logo kit or uh, like these like badge kits that you would see pop up from our design shops. And I said, you know, I'm just going to make a hundred of these things and I'm just going to take little sayings and make these little graphic kits, uh, little graphic logos, if you will, or icons and just have fun with it and just do things that I wouldn't normally do. I would never put type in a circle, but we'll put type in a circle here. And then I would never, you know, put a, I don't know, this kind of graphic treatment with this type of typeface. And I would just start to have fun with those kinds of things and using fonts that I would never normally use. So it was uh, an excuse to uh, just play around and, and create some little icons. Some are, you know, you can throw them away and some are okay. And it's, it's kind of a fun when you have a, a stack of them that are, hundred deep and you're like, okay, I, I could check the box on this thing. And I, I made something fun and it comes in handy every once in a while too, to show clients or given a presentation, you know, it's, or, or for social media content too. But yeah. um, so things like that are, are, are ways that I kind of get started with a, with a, with a new project. Yeah. And, and what have been, so you've been, you've been in design for about two decades now. And, and I want to know how you've seen from your point of view, graphic design evolve throughout those two decades and and just overall what are your thoughts on it and 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 even more so how do you see your approach to design um how has it changed i mean when when i started um we barely had an internet if if i remember we would we would uh we would fetch files to a printer every once in a while if we can get a good connection and we'd have to do it overnight because it just took so long for something to go. So um, there was no internet. <laughs> so, um, and so all the tools that come uh, that are associated with that just didn't, didn't exist. So a lot of what we did when we we're concepting ideas, whether it was a, an ad advertisement or a piece of direct mail, whatever it was, we would draw things. We were, I was still at the tail end of that marker world where uh, we would be drawing out headlines or uh, just filling in, text with with lines and and things along like that with tissues and whatnot um i remember stock piles and piles and piles of stock photography books it was just people's offices were just loaded it was like a library in there and you know filled with post-it notes in every book because there was that one shot of that one you know puppy and there's another shot of this great you know landscape or whatever it was whatever it was so the tools were just so different um but the biggest thing, so, so, and you could still pencil and you could still reference books and you know, that's still happening, but everything's moved to online, obviously. And the collaboration tools have just changed everything, things like Figma and, and whatnot. But overall, I, I, when I was getting started, I thought things moved pretty fast. And 
at the time and they just move like lightning speed now. So um, speed has been become probably the biggest, the biggest change. And, and uh, depending on the organization, and this is where a lot of agencies have just kind of like, you know, kind of the, the models has kind of crumbled a little bit. It used to be that if you're going to put together an advertisement, there would be an art director and a writer, and there'd be probably an art buyer and a production person, or maybe a couple production people. And of course, account people and things like that. But now if you're just a writer and designer, you could probably pretty much produce everything and send it to a publication. And that the specialization um, has gone away of, to a large degree where there used to be like retouching houses where you would send your, you know, your ad or your photography to a retoucher after you got the film from a photographer. I mean, these things just don't happen anymore. So that's the speed at which everything moves now has just been, it's just gone lightning fast. So and that's and you, the, the reality of, of the world now. And do you think the speed uh, has a an overall improvement over the industry or do you sort of wish things were perhaps a little bit slower? Cause I, I think because things move so quickly now, there's definitely and some, and sometimes it feels like there's a quantity over quality. Sure. And just like a oversaturation of design. Sometimes that could be a little bit more, that could be that could at times feel a little bit overwhelming, you know, mm -hmm. like I remember when I was younger, like I used to, I used to get, um, like an album cover poster, like a magazine. That was all I had. Uh, I remember like I was really into video games and there's PlayStation magazine and you get like your issue of PlayStation magazine and you'd like have to look at every single page and over and over again, cause that's all you had. And then like a new one would come out and you'd like learn everything about every single game in that magazine. And I miss that. And today it's like, you could, you could see entire collections of anything on the internet and it's just like when you're watching something on netflix and you're just like looking for the movie eventually like an hour passes you haven't picked anything you're like well i'm just not gonna watch anything well, i'm glad i'm not the only one that does that I, I do that all the time but but to answer your question I, whether it was a design shop or an advertising agency a marketing company what have you i think what's the speed thing and is it, is it better or worse i think what's happened is the what what made it a particular company or creative group special or unique it gave it gave their client a distinct look at that time and this is only 20 years ago 25 years ago and it's kind of gone it started to erode so and what i mean by that is back in the day you'd you would have um the, the time and the tools too um uh you didn't we didn't have these tools so we'd, we'd have to go out and shoot something photograph something um and that photographer would always bring a certain look to to the work and um the writing style and the design style all kind of came together together to create something very unique um and I'm, I'm that still happens today but it just happens a lot less and i think a lot a lot of the work has started to get homogenized and we live in a world of templates and stock photography and so having a very distinct kind of mark to the look of a work the work um is kind of fading away a little bit uh, an example at the time this is like early late 90s early 2000s like vsa stuff looked awesome like they worked with a couple photographers you could tell when when something came out or you're looking through an award book you're like that's a vsa piece or other agencies along the same lines you could just tell where this stuff came from and in certain cities had a certain style or, or look to them too that's starting it's still there but it's starting to kind of fade away a little bit so i think because of the speed um 
there is and the tools there just isn't the time to work on projects like that anymore it just comes down to money sometimes and that's it's unfortunate but that's just kind of the world we live in now yeah what have been some of your best projects that you've worked on is there anything have you ever had any one of those moments where you have to pinch yourself to to make sure that you're not dreaming Oh, I, I, I was going to answer that with a, with a joke, but I'll be, I'll be serious. Um, I don't know if I've ever had to pinch myself so much, but I've, I've gotten a chance to shoot some cool stuff. Like um, I did a campaign for a healthcare company years ago where we shot some Olympic gymnasts and just photographing them was just a trip just because these guys were, they're literally world-class athletes and to see what they could do. It was like they had helium in their veins. They would just fly. It was amazing. Uh, so things like that are are fun. Um, um I, I just saw some of my work out on television out in California. Uh, it wasn't because of the work itself. It was because of a, a, a basically a, a, a social justice thing that was happening. So um, around around a union payment and, and pay, pay pay scales and things like that. So that was cool to see. I don't know if that was that was, that was kind of a pinch yourself moment because I just wasn't expecting it. I did the client never told me, hey, we were on TV and the work looked great. <laughs> so, but it was uh, it was fun to see that. Um, and, and, and similar photo shoots that, that, you know, you're just kind of, we went out to the middle of, I think it was Palm desert and cause it's got this huge, super long road. That's super straight and there's mountains in the background and, you know, you're out there at five in the morning, you know, photographing marathon runners in the back of a, like a Cushman golf cart kind of thing. And I'm holding the photographer up so he doesn't fall out as, as we're like chasing these guys down the road. You know, things like that are, are a lot of fun. I don't know if it's pinch yourself, but it was, uh, it's cool to actually be like, all right, we've been talking about this campaign for a year and now we're out here in the desert, you know, photographing it. And uh, that, that kind of stuff is really fun for me. So I like that. And, and you've, and, and you also have your, uh, your own studio. You, you founded your own studio. Um, and a question that I always like to ask our guests, specifically when our guests are in some sort of, uh, leadership position where they're, you know, driving certain decisions and, and whatnot. Um, I always like to ask from, from your point of view, what, what, what do you think makes a good, a good leader when it comes to creativity and design and how do you sort of the people that you work with, like, how do you, how do you bring the best out of someone? Sure. Well, I think you, you just said it for it's in my mind, leadership is about um, helping others kind of maximize their potential. That sounds kind of like clinical, but but it's really about getting them to uh, open doors, push themselves, exp- explore things, uh, and go beyond what their status quo would be. So um, that that to me is is a mark of, of a good leader. There's all kinds of other ways to define it. Yes, it's about you know uh, setting a vision and um, you know rallying the troops and morale and things like that. But but I think it, it really is at a one to one level is about finding, being able to tap into what makes that person unique and trying to bring that, bring, bring the best of that to, to, to a project. And in terms of um, leading people, I mean, to get, to get to that point, they need to trust you first. So everything, this is a little cliche, but everything does start with trust. And um, it really, it really does start with the kind of the one-on-one personal back and forth and letting them know that you're on, on their side and uh, there's a little bit of um, kind of a, I, I grew up playing sports. So, you know, when I was younger and I was uh, in a leadership position, the only thing I knew 
was to behave like a high school football coach, which probably wasn't the best, best way to motivate some people, you know, come on guys, we can do it. Yeah, it was really, really bad. But, um, and someone once told me that, uh, Hey, I watched, uh, 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 the last dance, um, and Michael Jordan. And now I finally understand your, your management style. <laughs> I was like, Oh boy. Um, but, but, uh, uh, but I, I you know, what, what, what I think that person meant was, and I, at least I hope, I don't know, but um, I usually wouldn't ask anybody to do anything I wouldn't do myself. And I think that's something that Michael Jordan said. And that's the only, only time you'll ever hear my name associated with Michael Jordan. But, but, um, but I think, you know, I, I am very hands-on and I try to lead by example um, and, 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 and try to show people the the way sometimes when in terms, in terms of what I'm trying to get them to do. Um but yeah, I think it all it all starts with trust, and 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 then and then and then letting them, like being hands off sometimes, and sometimes you just have to let them surprise you. Um, there was a designer that I, that I hired, probably it's probably six or seven years ago now. Um, uh, this woman came to Chicago. Uh, I, I interviewed her, and I said, "Well, we just took a took a kind of a flyer on her, and uh, she had a nice book, but it wasn't anything uh, earth shattering." And she just surprised me constantly with. Uh, uh, just her design, I would call it innovation, but you know, how she just approached products and her solution or solutions were just always out of the box and always super smart. And uh, I think it was because I didn't like push too hard, you know, and I just kind of let her explore her thing, explore her, her way. And uh, you know, it really, it really, it was really a nice surprise to see someone like at every project just kind of outdo themselves on a consistent basis. So that was, that was really nice. And for someone that's been in Chicago for, because you've been in Chicago for the majority of your life, and um, and one of the things that that you know as the Chicago Graphic Design Club that we try to do is to celebrate Chicago's design community and to find ways to bring people together and to find ways to just enrich our practices and learn from one another. So um, is there anything specific that you notice about Chicago that perhaps makes Chicago unique? in the sense of how, yeah, just how we exist as, you know, a collective of, of designers. Yeah. I think what I've noticed is a, is the change. And what I mean by that is um, I came in, uh, you know, I, I graduated and I can't, came in the late nineties and um, the industry, we're talking about tools and, and the speed of things. And there was a lot of um, uh, the world was different and, uh, the community, I think, was a lot more corporate sponsored. And what I mean by that is there would be parties at the Four Seasons and it'd be sponsored by paper companies or a party at a um, uh, or an event at a um, uh, a nightclub or something like that sponsored by Getty or a talk, you know, that was uh, sponsored by a, a printer or whatever it was. And a lot of that is, if not all of it, it's gone, went away around 2000 or around 2001 for sure. And um those things were fun. They were nice. And there was community around them and the events were, were cool. Um, but what's happened now, what I think is really interesting is with even, even with some of the more established uh, uh, clubs around the city, um, everything's become a little bit more do it yourself and a little bit more grassroots. And there isn't the corporate sponsorship or, you know, big money behind things. And so people are doing it because they, they're searching for connection where before you may have gone to this event maybe you wanted some connection, but you really wanted a free food and some samples, you know, some paper samples. So now I think it's a lot more genuine and authentic versus kind of just throwing a party and hoping, you know, 500 people show up. So I think, I think it's, it's, 
it's changed a lot for the better. And I, I think where we're at now is um, uh, just just more just genuine and authentic as a, as a as a community overall. Whether it's Chicago Graphic Graphic Design Club or another organization or an AIGA kind of thing, I think the the events have become a lot more people focused. Mm -hmm. And is there anything? So you've been involved with the club for uh, almost yeah about three years now. Because I remember in 2020, that's when you and I met. Uh, you started coming to a lot of our programming uh, programs um, when they were mostly all virtual, and and you've been been involved in like various capacities uh, in regards to programming and events and um, and just participation and engagements. So, are there any milestones or anything that has sort of stood out to you from the last three years that? Hmm. Uh... Well, I think a couple of years ago, one of my favorite events, at least, I don't know if this is going to answer your question directly, but when there was the um, uh, typography tour in the South Loop by Jackson, who who, who gave it, uh, pre that, I don't think we had any in-person events, but it was fun to go. And this is obviously we're coming out of COVID. So there's all that kind of thing was happening. But but um, that moment was a, a, like to me was a, a, a big positive event because all of a sudden it was like, yeah, we met on Zoom. We're all doing these kind of book, either a book club or some kind of workshop kind of thing on Zoom. And suddenly it felt real. And there was also people that I don't think any of us knew showed up too. So we we're like, oh, wow, this is like a real thing. And uh, it's gone beyond our, our little circle that we've established here. So that was really cool. See, so that was a fun, a fun milestone, I think, at least, at least for me and a great event and very uh, just, just a cool, a lot of cool information in that, a lot of cool history. Um, as far as a negative, I can't, Kind of caught me off guard on that one. I can't think of anything. All right, there is no negative. Next, there are, yeah, every, everything's <laughs> wonderful. Puppy dogs and ice cream, sunshine. So, uh, but yeah. Well, and and another question that I have for you, it's related to hope. Where, when you find yourself maybe like in a in a tough spot, where do you draw hope from? Uh, what gives you hope? And perhaps also, what are you hopeful for? Sure. Uh, when I get stuck. Um, no matter what it is, whether it's hope or, or anything else, I, I just have to go do something physical, whether it's go for a walk outside for an hour or 20 minutes, whatever it is, um, get on a bicycle, um, just just get away from the computer, first of all. <laughs> That's usually the, the first thing I have to do. So that just doing something like that. And I try to, um, it just kind of resets my brain, I think, and it gets me away from the, the kind of the, the spiral you could find yourself in sometimes when you're staring at a screen or staring at a problem or rereading an email for a hundredth time, trying to figure out what somebody means. So, um, and I hope that problem goes away, but, but in the bigger sense, um, to me, it's, it's really nature is, is really where you kind of like go to reconnect and, and see those things or, or feel those things and connect to them. Or even, um, you know, live music too is another is big thing that kind of rejuvenates me. I think, you know, whether it's uh, like a gospel fest downtown or, uh, going back to liquid death, like a heavy metal show or something like that, you know, um, that could be re, re, re-energizing. And, and it just reminds you, um, you're not going there for hope so much, but it just reminds you that, you know, life goes on and, you know, some of the problems that we have are pretty minuscule in the grand, grand scheme of things. So, you know, we're, we're designing or we're, we're trying to solve communication problems. Yes. It's important that we do great work and we solve these problems for clients and all that, all that kind of stuff, but we're, we're not curing cancer, you know, kind of thing. So um, it just puts things back into perspective, at least for me, when I'm 
out in nature or out in a big like public event kind of thing. It just kind of this grounds me. What am I hopeful for? Uh, you know, yeah. peace in the Middle East, clean water, uh, sustainable energy, and uh, education for everybody. I guess <laughs> probably it's probably a lot to ask for in in the, our country. So and and while we're on that topic, there there's been there's certainly been a I think there's been a shift in graphic design, perhaps maybe now for the last like five years or so around more um more like social justice or like activism design for good has become sort of like a a a buzzword and something that I think a lot of design studios and agencies are sort of wanting to adopt and and are adopting um what are your what are your overall thoughts on that idea of designers or just the design industry as uh as something that could be a solution or a catalyst for change. Um, I'm a little bit indifferent about that narrative of designers as like this, these saviors that are going to come in and, you know, change the world. But yeah. What do you think about, yeah. what do you think about that? Well, was, there used to be a meme, like, you know, I want to be a graphic designer so I can help save the world kind of thing. I don't think, I don't think we're going to save the world, um, but I think there's definitely a space and it's a good thing uh, for designers to bring, and creatives of all types to bring their talent to uh, a cause um, and shine light on something that might not normally get a lot of attention. Um, and, uh, you know, sometimes we are um, more the kind of the early adopters of things and trendsetters. And we're, we're, we're that kind of that creative class of that creative community. So I think um, if we can be made aware of something or get behind some some kind of cause uh, early on and maybe help it build some momentum. I think that's that's a good thing. Um, uh, no matter what it is, but I I you know I don't know if we're gonna if 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 we had unlimited graphics design power across the globe if we would solve all the problems. Some of the problems are bigger than graphic design or marketing kind of problems. It's but they're political problems. But at least we can get the ball rolling and, and get the, the, kind of the spark set, if you will. So I think, I think there's definitely a space for it, but uh, I, these are, these are the things that we're trying to solve are generational problems. They're not going to change with a poster or a t-shirt or a button, but you got to start somewhere, you know, and, and that's kind of some of the things that we, you know, produce and put out in the world, but it's bigger than that. It's about the ideas and uh, you know, hopefully some of these catch on and there is change that happens. So yeah, because one of the things I've noticed is that um, usually design is at the intersection of of many many things, and and gra graphic design tends to be a communication component of a lot of a lot of things in the world, and I think sometimes it's also the way things are activated, and it's it's how things are communicated, it influences behavior, and it just drives so much of our culture. I I always think that designers that are in those positions to be in that table where certain conversations are happening, I think right there is an opportunity for us to perhaps bring some of our expertise or some of our values or some of the things that we think, you know, are, are worth talking about uh, into those conversations. And, and I know, and, and you, and you've, you've experienced this um, being, being part of the club, but a lot of our conversations that we have are always about like bigger ideas and things about, not just the immediate, like, what can we do um, for the sake of doing, but it's how do we translate what we're doing to something that's perhaps a little bit more bigger 
uh, within our communities. So I don't know. If, I don't know if, if you have anything to add to that, but I do think that um, there is some power and, and some some authority that I think as designers uh, that we carry. And uh, oh, absolutely, yeah, yeah. I I think you know, like you, a good example of this is, um, and I'm not trying to like promote the club anymore, but but Chicago's tomorrow today kind of idea. Um, there was that the the poster exhibition that uh, we put on. Not too long ago. I mean, that's that's another example of you know, let's what could Chicago look like in the future, and 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 why why isn't it you know looking that way now? And uh, so I think it, it does. It design can be uh, a mirror sometimes, and, and force people to look at themselves or ask themselves questions. And and we're kind of the curators of that. And I think a lot of creatives. This is just my take on it. Are not all, but many are, are very cynical, and and there's a big BS meter that the uh, that we have. And so when we see some kind of injustice or something wrong or some inequity, uh, we like to call it out. And, and, uh, and it's, it's, it's not just the design. It's, it's, it's the problem and that we're trying to solve. And we'd like to see, I think we would like to see the world, the better place. I mean, God, we care about the space between letters. So if we, if we care about that, you know, we, we, we care about all other things too. So that are much, much bigger. So, um, you know, that's my, uh, I care a lot about a lot of things like that. Yeah. So and and today, uh, anything contemporary that is keeping you inspired, um, or any designers or music or anything in the creative in the creative field that you you're drawing inspiration from. Uh, I wouldn't say any like one band or any one design shop. I mean, you, you just go through Instagram and it's just it's constant inspiration. There's a lot of junk on there too, but there's a lot of good work and a lot of good work happening in the city. Same thing with music. Um, I'll just sometimes just put on KEXP, which is out of Seattle, and um, and uh, just every song after song is just great. So I'll screen capture things sometimes and bands and go back to them. But I, I couldn't say any one particular thing necessarily is uh, uh inspiring it's just kind of a collage of lots of different stimulus that's coming into my brain yeah there's definitely a lot i i i feel the same way about instagram because it's just non-stop uh really cool stuff <laughs> and it's yeah. it's too much for my brain sometimes yeah, yeah definitely definitely so it's all we'll get over stimulated stimulated sometimes but um but yeah i i there's nature too is another thing too just getting outside for a little bit and getting off the computer and just doing anything but touching a keyboard for a couple hours uh is inspiring too so i anything with we can create with our hands is uh always a plus for me too so i i, I like looking at stuff that was you know that's been made like sculpture or whatever that's non-computer based typically too so yeah. And something something I, I've been thinking about recently is that around this time is when students graduate from college. And I keep thinking about how every year there's an entire new generation of designers that are going out into the field. And I think that's really exciting because we're sort of having a fresh perspective, new minds, new approaches to to problem solving. I want to ask you for perhaps for the listener that's that's listening to our episode here. Um, that perhaps is earlier in their career or just finishing college or maybe still in college, what sort of words of wisdom or advice would you have for, for someone that perhaps is a little bit more junior? Yeah, I think, so um, it's funny you bring this up. I, I actually was, um, I got to sit on, sit in on some college courses uh, this year. Um, 
in a school in in the uh, oh god right down the street anyway um and it, it was it was it was eye-opening it was it brought me back to being that age and being in that place uh and it was inspiring too to see like how advanced how much further along students are leaving school than we were back in the stone age but but um uh advice i think at least to me you know your first job very rarely is going to be is going to keep you inspired or be super excited yes it'll be a first job and it'll be it, there will be excitement associated with it but you might be designing soup cans or something you know it's, the work might not be super exciting so um keep yourself inspired um you know keep a notebook or do some kind of creative work outside of the nine to five that keeps you interested and I think that'll that'll go a long way over time, and ultimately it might lead to something else uh, that you you can't see yet. But but you know whatever whatever it is, if it's drawing or if it's just type design or letter letter uh, forms or whatnot, keep 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 doing something something outside of the nine to five. So when we talk about perhaps the younger people that are coming into the industry, and we're telling them to to have that practice on the side that keeps them inspired and motivated. What about, for example, like the people that are hiring those young designers? What what do you suggest them to to perhaps do or take into consideration when welcoming, um, yeah, younger people? I, and and I'm asking this because I remember when I started when when I was in college and I started and I graduated. And like one of my the first jobs that I had right out of college, it wasn't. I felt like it wasn't particularly suited for people that were coming in with like very little experience. And at times it felt perhaps a little bit like a hostile environment where it wasn't the most, yeah, the most nurturing. So like for me, looking back now, I'm like, all right, if I were to ever be in a position where, you know, I have my own studio and there's younger people or like new people that are joining the firm or the company, uh, what would I do differently? So I'll ask you that question. Are you, are, what would I suggest for the students or what would I suggest for like a hiring person? For the hiring person, for the people that are welcoming uh, younger folks. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think so. Uh, well, there's a couple, <laughs> a couple of things. One, some, some, some kids now, like at, at least where I grew up and uh, my, my story, I always had a job since I was like 15. So I knew what, kind of work was and I knew how abusive it could be too um when you're getting basically haze when you're like 16 years old and there's 20 year old 20 year old people working there and you're just getting you know whatever it, it wasn't it, it, there were no HR groups that where I was working in you know an auto zone or something like that but um uh changing tires but but um uh coming out of school uh the reason I bring that up is is I'm just familiar with with kind of maybe less uh, welcoming workspaces. Um, and if you've never had a job before, it can be kind of shocking to all of a sudden, you know, have all these demands and you're just not used to it. The reason I bring this up is I have worked with a few designers in my past that never had a job before they left school. They, they just didn't. And so, uh, just to say it very directly, I think some of them just didn't know how to work. So, um, I think as a manager or a teacher, I think sometimes you're going to have to like just really do a lot of coaching. Now that's a very, that's a sliver of the people that are coming out. So getting them to actually understand that like, Hey, there's deadlines and this is, this is important. Again, we're not curing cancer, but this matters relationship wise with between us internally and our clients. 
um, things like that. So I think a lot of people could just blow, they would just blow things off like it was college and that's not acceptable. Um, so it's, there's a lot of patience and coaching that has to happen with that, that's, that subset. I think, I think the world's changed a lot in the last 10 or 15 years and places are a lot more aware and try to be more welcoming than they used to be. Um, I remember feeling the same kind of way at, at, at certain roles where just the interpersonal communication was just, just, um, uh, uh, just it's it's a struggle and so i think maybe maybe this would in in the professional world there's something called like the myers-briggs and there's a kobe test and things along those lines i think with a hiring manager or even a teacher it might be worth taking a day and trying to understand how you communicate as an individual and what you need to have successful communication back and forth i don't think that's something that a lot of people coming out of school are even exposed to. So I think that would at least make them aware a little bit of how they receive information and how they express what they need. That might, that might, that might be something that's worth um, a day's exercise just to, just to make people aware of different people communicate differently. And then, and then the last thing is kind of looping back to the beginning is just making sure everybody understands that they're accountable for the things that they're, they're asked to do um, is a, is a big thing. So it's, it's, it's just, Kids coming in the workplace, um, like I said, there's they have different priorities sometimes. And I also think that they think that they're going to work on the biggest, coolest, most you know electric project that's in the shop. And the reality is when they walk in the door, they're probably working on the lowest, simplest, not fun project that that that's that's around because that's where they're at. They're they're entry level. And so the reality is they're probably gonna be doing some not so exciting production work. And I think they need to get that put in their head before they, they start working because they might go on an interview and the place like might look bright and shiny, but the reality is they're going to be doing some of the grunt work and, and, and that's okay. That's where you, you start and you get, and you get experience and you learn from. So I think uh, letting some of the students know that, that, that uh, they're going to be doing some not so it's basically setting expectations is what I'm Yeah. And just being honest yeah. and transparent yeah. and, and sort exactly. of, exactly. yeah. Definitely. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, because I always I, I think about that, too, sometimes. And, and I often wonder if if perhaps um, the generation of like the generation of designers today, how this generation compares to perhaps like previous generations and sort of how the expectations expectations have shifted. And I certainly think, I don't know, like in my opinion, despite all the new technology and ways of communicating that we have today. Like I do think that in a lot of ways, it almost makes it a little bit more difficult to um, like, I, I just, it just goes back to just being oversaturated with, with so much. And I think it, it certainly like impacts like our attention and the way that we communicate and listen and comprehend things. And I think depending on the environment that you're working on, I think just being an environment that is able to like adapt to new ways of thinking, new ways of working, new ways of of a lot of things um is certainly very important. Even with um with with me teaching um like I've certainly learned that there's even like certain things that I have to communicate perhaps like in a different way um just because the ways that people have been growing up and how they've been accustomed to receiving information um, sure. like a lot of people will a lot of younger people so in, in some instances will look to tiktok for like education uh and like you know 30 second 
educational reel that's teaching them something that perhaps when we were younger, it was like a whole book. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, totally. I, I could, I, being a teacher now has got to be very, you're, you're fighting against, you know, social media and these 30 second clips and, and some of them are great. I mean, we all do it to a, to a point. Um, every time we have to figure out how to make an Excel sheet work, you know, I, I go to the same YouTube video, like, how do I create a sum again? Anyway, but, uh, but yeah, it's, it's, it's definitely the, the world has changed and to be able to, uh, uh, explain something very simple uh, or very complicated in a very simple way can be hard. It can be a, a big challenge. And, and, and I think um, it's kind of conditioned us to, to, to think that everything's simple. There's a simple way to fix this. There's a simple way to do this and not everything in the world is, is a simple fix. So, and that, and, 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 and hopefully in a perfect world, you know, when you're a student, you graduate and you're working on things, hopefully you're working on things that, haven't been figured out yet. You're you're working on uh, new opportunities and new challenges, and you're coming up with solutions that haven't been done before, maybe in this quite this way. So, um, yeah, I, I think the reliance on that is is it is a crutch, and we all do it sometimes. But um, uh, you should be we should all be searching for some new new challenges that uh, hopefully aren't on TikTok, and then we can make our own TikTok, and then we can be a subject <laughs> matter expert on it and get ten thousand views on you know, how to make a drop shadow. <laughs> I'm sure that exists already. <laughs> Great. Well, this was a super fun conversation um, that I had with you today. If anyone wants to get a hold of you, if anyone wants to reach out, what's the best way for people to find you? It's probably on Instagram. Um, I've got two addresses. One is at uh, Smith did it. That's my personal account. I, I, I follow a lot of designers and a lot of uh, uh, agencies on there and friends and, and everything else, celebrities and whatever. But there's a uh, uh, another Instagram, which is my business one. It's at C2 Creative Studio. And um, that's primarily work. And, and and you can find me there as well. What kind of uh, celebrities are you following? Uh, it's it's mostly comedians and musicians. So those two worlds are are, are things that I draw inspiration from. And, and uh, uh, everybody from Mark Norman, who's a comedian, to... Uh, you know, some, some local musicians and things like that, like, uh, 80 slang and those kinds of bands. Could you tell us a joke? Oh, uh, no, <laughs> <laughs> I, I wish I could. I wish I had, I wish I had one. I, I really don't. But, All right. Uh, next time. Yeah, next time. Sweet. I'll come prepared. Awesome. <laughs> well, thank you so much. It's been an honor to, uh, speak with you on this podcast and also just want to thank you for everything that you do for the club thanks for having me Christian this has been great yeah so we'll see each other soon 